Welcome to Weight Loss and Wellness for Real, the podcast where people like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the physical and mental weight so you can feel better and live the life you want in the body and mind you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating, overeating, binging behaviors, and move to a place of freedom with food and your body, you're in the right place. Just a reminder that this podcast represents my own opinions. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. Hi friends and welcome. I'm glad you're here. This is episode 75 of the podcast Weight Loss and Wellness for real. And today we are going to talk all about impulse eating and how to stop the habit. I'm guessing all of you listening, and this is definitely me as well, can think of many moments where you you have had the best intentions with the choices you're going to make around food, you know, maybe with a goal to get healthy or maybe with the goal of losing weight and something presents itself where you impulsively eat something you were not planning to. Impulse eating can be the one thing that leads to not being able to lose the weight you want to lose. So I'm going to give you some strategies you can start to practice to stop that impulse eating. And if you think about it, impulse eating is the opposite of mindful eating. And mindful eating is something that I bring up fairly often on this podcast. I definitely work with my clients on this. Mindful eating is all about really paying attention to what you're eating, uh, making decisions around food, but then also while you're eating, really, really tasting it, enjoying it, not having it with distractions. So impulse eating is really the opposite of that. It's where we eat something without really thinking about it. We we may have even pre-planned and prepared food for ourselves, but when presented with attempting food or maybe not even attempting food, but we're feeling stressed, so a relatively tempting food is presented and impulsively we eat it. And then after eating it, we either are making excuses to ourselves why we ate it, so we justify, um, you know, like I've been having such a hard day or uh, this has been such a hard week, so I deserve to eat this, we justify it, or we often get into guilting or shaming or belittling ourselves for eating it. And both of these reactions are really harmful for our weight loss goals and or finding health and or finding food freedom and really breaking free from disordered eating patterns, emotional eating patterns, stress eating patterns. So this can often happen at social gatherings or parties where we're maybe not sure what's going to be served. And so we go in with sort of a plan, but then we maybe have one or more drinks than planned or something is being served. That's my favorite. So I have to have it. Traveling is another place where I often hear reports from clients of impulse eating. We, we may go into travel with the best intentions of sticking to a specific plan we've laid out for ourselves. But when the travel happens and we're out of our routine or we have an unexpected four-hour delay in the airport or any sort of unplanned stress occurs, we impulsively eat. And often this is overeating or overdrinking. Traveling was always a stickler for me personally. 
see if you can relate to this. So best intentions going into traveling, right? I'm going to keep eating clean in quotation marks because that's how I was thinking at the time. I'm not going to drink um, because when I drink, I've learned that I almost always overeat when I drink. I'm not going to eat gelato three times a day when I'm in Italy. So lots of restriction mentality, lots of restrictive thoughts before a vacation, before travel. And let me tell you what happened each and every time that I traveled for years and years. I ate gelato three times a day, every single day in Italy, and I'm not kidding. And depending on where I traveled, you could insert chocolate or cookies or dessert for the gelato. At any rate, it was like vacationing became the setup for me for impulse eating. I had a plan that was obviously too restrictive, and then I completely overate while traveling. And then after, I would do things like, well, you know, I'm never gonna be here again, so I need to eat it all now, or I'll get back on plan when I'm at home, or I suck at this anyway and can't control myself around food. I would say really mean things to myself, thinking that all this super mean self-talk was going to make me get back on track to controlling myself around food, and it never, ever worked. At any rate, this whole thing was not working, like setting myself up for all this restriction before vacationing and then or traveling, and then just very impulsively eating when things were presented to me. So the issue is what do we do with impulse eating? Because situations like this come up all the time, right? We cannot avoid them. Even this is daily things. Like you come home from a long day at work. It's super stressful. You know, you walk in the door, you're just happy to be home and your significant other says, you know, I opened a bottle of really good wine, but you didn't have wine on your plan that day. So what do we do in those situations? I wanted to tell you about a company I recently used and that you may be interested in using as well. It is called Five Strands, five, the number, and then S-T-R-A-N-D-S, five strands. And it is a test to learn about food intolerances, environmental intolerances, and it can give you lots of really good information on how your body is currently responding to your diet. So it can identify food or environmental intolerances, and then you can kind of temporarily remove these things from your diet and make lifestyle decisions around that in order to reduce inflammation, to feel a bit better. Uh, This isn't about allergy testing. This isn't the same if you were to go get allergy testing through blood. This is uh, simply about a different process they use that help to identify not allergies, but simple intolerances to foods that you currently may be eating and things in your environment. And then once you have that knowledge, the idea is you can go into an elimination diet and take all those things out at once versus if any of you have done an elimination diet before, when you're trying to figure out what's working for you, what's not, you know, maybe something like you take out all dairy, you have to wait four weeks to see how you respond, then you take out another thing, then you, so it's just this really long process of trying to figure those things out. This is just a really quick, simple, easy way to get that information and eliminate all those things at once. 
And then the idea is you do slowly add them back in once your body, um, the inflammation has calmed down, your body's ready to respond to them again. So this isn't about eliminating these foods forever and always. It's simply about taking them out for a time period to really optimize your health, maybe even lose some weight, and then um, slowly adding them back in. And the test is so easy because you just send in some strands of hair, hence the name of the company, Five Strands. You just send in some hair, you get results back within five to seven days. The other reason I, when asked, agreed to work with this company was because their customer service was so amazing. Any questions you have, um, anything like that, they are just friendly, very knowledgeable. Um, I just really, really appreciated their this to me was like old school customer service. So they're a great company. Um, and, and, and this sort of testing can just give you that idea of, okay, these are the things I'm going to try to cut out and, and we'll see, um, you know, trying to optimize feeling good, all that sort of stuff. And my own personal thing with this is I was noticing that I was having uh, just some cues and feedback going on from my body with some regular things I had been eating where I had never had those uh, negative cues and feedback before. And so I knew something was going on and that's why I got into taking this test. And what was really interesting is some things came back that I knew would come back. Like I've always known dairy. I do not do well with dairy. Um, I, I know I don't do well with eggs, things like that. But I really found some of the results fascinating. Like there were certain proteins that I was used to eating every single day that I'm highly right now currently in my lifestyle intolerant to um, and other proteins that were just fine. So that helped me adjust uh, to what I'm eating right now. Another thing that was really interesting is I always thought I was really intolerant to red wine but could was fine with all clear alcohol like vodka, um, all that kind of stuff. And Actually, according to this, uh, all clear alcohol is not good, but I am totally cool with red wine. So things like that were really, really fascinating to me and also just helped me create sort of this elimination diet plan for about six weeks that I'll be doing and uh, just just gave me all the information in one shot. So I highly, highly recommend them if you are looking to optimize your health it's a quick and easy test to just get more information. I really do hope you give it a try. I just believe more knowledge about our bodies and how they are working is such a key in gaining that optimal health. So if you want to give them a try, you can head over to fivestrands.com. Again, it's the number five and then S-T-R-A-N-D-S.com. And when you go to check out, put in my name, Heather Heinen. H-E-Y-N-E-N, and you're going to get a nice discount. So number one strategy is we really need to use our brain to remove the drama. So the thoughts that our brain, that our brain creates in regards to over-desire about the food, about the drink. So we see the thing and it becomes so important. We are willing to throw away our plan our best laid intentions for the day and everything that we know is good for us that we know will make us feel amazing tomorrow morning. We just toss it all in that moment. So we allow the decision-making part of our brain that makes really good decisions for us. And I call this our wise mind or our higher brain or our adult brain to just, you know, we allow that part to just completely go offline. We disconnect from it and start to operate out of our lower brain, right? This is the impulsive brain, 
our lower brain. I sometimes call it the child brain. It's the part of our brain that is trying to make us feel a certain way right now. It's like the child who... It, it, it is. It's like a, it's like a um, child who's uh, really emotional, really dramatic in the moment. This is the part of your brain driving you to eat or drink impulsively in the moment, the primitive brain. It's really the limbic system part of your brain. It's much more primitive. It's less developed. And its job is to keep you alive. And it does such a good job at this. And you know, it wants to keep us safe. It wants to keep us feeling secure. And part of keeping us safe is making sure we eat enough food. Because if you don't eat enough food, we die, right? So this is why you have, you know, if you've used heavy restriction in the past, like I have, I've been very open about that in this podcast, then we've created a very deep patterned, a very deeply ingrained pathway from this part of our brain that leads to overeating and even binging behaviors after about a restriction. And this is that yo-yo dieting cycle. This is why if you behaviorally restrict too much food um, and or if you mentally use patterns of thoughts that are restrictive around food, no matter what, you will eventually overeat and or binge and gain weight back usually plus some. And it's because this primitive part of your brain will literally drive you through intense urges that are truly almost, they feel almost impossible to get through. Um, and so we eat. And, and once you impulsively eat through the drive of the primitive brain, which is trying to keep you safe and alive, right? We don't want to vilify this part of our brain. We need it. Um, you will be driven to overconsume, you know, because the primitive brain is saying things like, oh, thank God she is eating something. Let's keep her eating as we know she's going to restrict again. And so we need to store it up now while we have her on an eating roll, right? Uh, this is also how your body can get into holding on to fat, even when dieting, because if you have deeply ingrained patterns of restriction, your brain tells your body, and this is through hormone signaling, things like cortisol, to keep that fat on no matter what because she's going to restrict again and we might die. So hang on to those fat stores as long as you can. So our primitive brain drives us to impulsively eat. And this can be in the form of sometimes I think of it as a temper tantrum, a toddler temper tantrum. Thoughts come to you like, I just really want this and I've I've worked hard and and I'm stressed and I deserve to have this and I'm just going to have it. it. It's just not a very um, mature way of thinking. It's not very adult-like, right? This is very childlike in our thinking. And then the prefrontal cortex in our brain is the adult part of our brain. This is, I think of it as the good mother, the nurturing mother, the part of us that wants to nurture and take care of us and is wise Um, It has our best interests at heart. It thinks about the future. It can plan. It understands. If you have that, this will be the outcome in the future. So if you eat the quart of ice cream, you're going to feel terrible tomorrow. If you drink that third glass of wine, you're going to have brain fog and be regretting it later. The primitive brain does not care about anything in the future. It can't. It's, It's just about right now, I must have it. We need to feel safe now. It is about the moment right now. So we want to utilize 
that prefrontal cortex. And, and this is the quieter part of our brain, unfortunately. The primitive brain, the lower brain, like I said, is like a toddler. And sometimes I switch into, it's kind of like a teenager. <laughs> it's loud. It speaks its mind over and over. It's tenacious. So it's really easy to hear. It's, it's dramatic. It's urgy. It's just wanting now. It's wanting more food than what's appropriate. The primitive brain says, you need this now. It's so important. But a quart of ice cream is not the best way to honor and take care of our bodies, even though the primitive brain is throwing these thoughts up at you. The prefrontal cortex, our wise mind, our nurturing mother wise mind, is softer in its approach, not impulsive or pressing. And so it takes practice to create to create new neural networks to access this part of our brain more often because that primitive part is so loud, right? So practicing disengaging from the primitive part and moving ourselves into our wise mind, our wise brain, takes some practice before it comes easy and more habitual to access. You know, but this is the process of taking the drama out of things. We, we don't have to follow what our primitive brain is saying to us in these moments. We can practice pushing it offline. We can practice soothing it like we do a toddler or a teenager who's acting out. We can ask it, what is the neediness about? What can I give myself in this moment to soothe that primitive brain that isn't that food, that isn't that drink? Often it can be a sentence or a thought, things like, I hear you, and I know you think we need this now, but we really don't. I promise you, I'm taking care of us. And if that's a little too far gone for some of you right now, then you can move into more of a push it offline strategy. You notice the voice, you acknowledge the voice, and then you move into your wise mind, simply ignoring the primitive brain part, not being mean about it, but just more ignoring the suggestion. We can't get to, we can't get it to stop making suggestions, but we can do things to make it quieter so the urges are not so intense. So it doesn't feel like it's constantly driving you to impulse eat. So it doesn't feel so demanding, not so urgy. It's more like you see the thing and the thought is, oh, well, that would be good, but I'm not hungry. And it's now part, it's not part of my plan today. Maybe I'll put it on my plan for tomorrow. And we're going to talk about plans in a minute. It's not like the desire for the thing completely goes away, but the over desire goes away. The urgy urginess. We, we don't have to really even consider what our primitive brain is suggest, suggesting. You don't immediately need to act on the urge. We, we want to use our prefrontal cortex more often because with this part of our brain, we are accessing what the future will look like based on our decisions today. So this looks like deciding at least the day before or morning of what you were going to eat in that day. And don't, sometimes when I talk to clients about this, they start freaking out. Don't freak out because this is not forever. This is a tool to help yourself move into the prefrontal cortex and this doesn't have to feel restrictive or rule-based. This is just a tool. This is how... When we're talking about practicing moving into the prefrontal cortex, we're, this is the how. This is the how to do it. How we can start the habit to get there more often so not, we're not feeling all those intense urges to impossibly, or to, Im, not impossibly, to impulsively overeat. 
So here's the key. Your daily plan for food must, first of all, include enough food. It must also include food that satisfies you in the way you want to be satisfied. And your plan must be doable. It is so important that the plan you create is realistic. And this is how I help my clients. These are the sorts of things we work on. We work to find a daily plan that the client determines is doable for them. And I have a template that for my clients um, that they can use as they make their daily plan. Who are And not all my clients do this, but the ones who are working on this skill. Um, and that template helps ask questions and help th- helps them create a very doable plan um, because you, you really are working on through this plan, creating a healthy relationship with yourself, a relationship where you can trust yourself. The reason it's so important, um, is really that last sentence I just said, it's the doable plan is about creating integrity with yourself, trust with yourself. And we need this in order to have long lasting, weight loss, or healthy habits that will last a lifetime. The reason making a food plan ahead of time is so useful is because the next day, so you make the plan the day before, that next day, all you have to do is follow your plan. So there are no decisions to be made. You just eat what you have put on your plan, and that decision fatigue is gone the following day because you're not making all kinds of decisions about food. What should I have? Should I have that? No, we're just following the plan. So this reduces a lot of stress, a lot of tension, all the drama and emotions around food is tamped down. And so things do pop up, right? You have a plan, you're following your plan, but then there's fresh donuts in the break room or the offer of a glass of wine from your significant other when you get home or the half-eaten bag of M&Ms is on the counter that your child left sitting out and you love M&Ms. These Things do pop up, but because you have planned already, you just don't have to get into the drama and decisions around eating those things or not. There's just, there's nothing to contemplate, no decisions to be made. Your brain may be saying, but, 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 you know, I really, really want it. I really, I need it. I want it. And that's totally okay. It's okay for your brain to do that. We just notice those thoughts that are there and then we practice hopping into our nurturing wise mind, remind ourselves we aren't making decisions today on food choices because we're just following our plan we already made. And we don't get into the drama of saying things like, I can't have that. You know, that sort of sentence thought adds to that scarcity mindset, that restriction mindset. And, and so If you're telling yourself, I just can't have that, I want you to really think about this because that is absolutely not true. You could have it. You can have it. You are an adult and you can have the thing at any time. You get to decide. But you are choosing to follow your plan today. And this is where you can put the thing on your plan for tomorrow, right? Because you want to be able to tell your child brain, your lower brain, yeah, I hear you. You really, really, really want that. Um, It's not on the plan for today, but I'll put it on the plan for tomorrow and we can have it then. And that process takes away the scarcity mindset. It calms down our toddler brain, our lower brain, and puts you into abundance mindset, 
oh yeah, well, I'm not going to have it today, even though I really, really want it, but I'll have it tomorrow. It'll be something to look forward to. I'll enjoy it. I can be really mindful of it. So we have to get really clear with ourselves. If that food is so important to us and we really, really want it, then we can plan for it and have it. We are adults. We can make those decisions and we can eat an amount of that thing that is responsible and reasonable and we can be mindful when we have it and we can stop it enough. We do not need to overeat the thing when we do have the thing. So in this process, you will often find that when you tell yourself, I'll plan for it tomorrow. The intensity of the urge to have it will actually diminish. And you may find after some time passes, you don't even want it very much the next day. You might not even put it on your plan for the next day. Or maybe you put it on your plan for the next day and it's like, I don't think I really want it. And so you just don't have it. We want to practice this process that we want to use this tool because this helps you to start build, building up confidence in yourself. This is creating that trusting relationship with yourself. You can plan your food and follow that plan. Your relationship with yourself in this process is so key. Can you trust yourself? Do you do what you tell yourself you're going to, to, to do? Do you follow through? Are you creating integrity with yourself? Every time you make a plan and do not follow it or tell yourself you're going to do something and don't do it, you are eroding your relationship with yourself. You are teaching yourself that you cannot trust yourself. And think about what happens between two people in a relationship when one keeps telling the other one they're going to do something, but they never ever follow through on what they say. Eventually, there is no trust. Without trust, there is no ability for the relationship to move forward, to accomplish goals or desires together. This is what happens when we erode the relationship with ourselves. We lose trust in ourselves. We, we limit our ability to follow through and get to our goals and dreams. So we want to follow through on what we say we're going to do. And this is why the plan must be doable, right? If you know you are going to eat those mm, maybe five cookies tomorrow night, <laughs> you know, you want to put that on your plan. Now, you may be thinking, well, how in the world do I lose weight? if I make a plan like that, but I'm telling you this is a slower process, but this process works. People do lose the weight, but the, the most important thing is they end up keeping it off because they've learned to have a different relationship with themselves, different relationship with food. Um, eventually that person who's putting the five cookies on their plan, eventually they level up a little bit and they're like, I think I can go with four cookies tomorrow. And that's how this process works. So we want to follow through on what we say we're going to do. And this is why the plan must be doable. We build up our relationship with ourselves through this process. So here are the questions to ask yourself. If you find your brain throwing up a huge temper tantrum on wanting to impulsively have the food, have the thing, have the drink. Ask yourself, how interesting that there is a tantrum going on in my brain right now. What is it about this food that makes my brain think it's so important and that I must eat it? What are my thoughts that are creating so much over desire for this food? What are my thoughts about wanting to eat something and and then what are my thoughts if I decide not to have it immediately in the moment? You know, so it might be a question, like, am I just rebelling? Some of us just rebel. 
then why? Why am I rebelling here? And this is how we utilize these opportunities to start to figure out the deeper issues around our food relationships. And we really need to figure out these deeper things in order to move through and beyond the food issues, in order to find peace and freedom around food, around our bodies, um, around our relationships with ourselves. And this work is so, so worth it. Okay. Let me just say one last thing about this. I get lots of people asking, well, then do I have to do this forever? Do I have to make a daily food plan forever? Absolutely not. I do not plan my food anymore because I just, I don't need to. I did that process for a long time and worked on the deeper level stuff and gained clarity and food freedom. And now there are times in my life, um, where I might go back to using this tool. Sometimes what I find for myself, if life is super stressful and I'm living a bit on autopilot, I'll find old habit thoughts around food and needing food and overconsumption and all that start popping up. Um, But now I'm really good because I'm so practiced in this at catching these thoughts right away. And then I might go back to planning for a week or two to get me back into the food freedom space and not using food or restriction to try to manage hard emotions. So this is a tool. It is not meant to be forever. It's a gradual process to undo the eating restriction behaviors. And whenever I feel like I'm out of control with food, then I come back to this tool to create some control and stability for myself around food. These are things you know I'm going to eat. When I eat these things, I feel good. They support my body. They nourish my body. They support my activity level. They create unbounded energy for me. I get what we need. These are the things and the sentences that I'm often writing around my daily food plan when I go back to this tool. Over time, you build up confidence with this tool. You build that relationship with yourself. And there are nuances to planning and ways to work through the daily planning without having to be exact, absolutely exact on things. For example, sometimes if I didn't have time to prep food or I didn't know exactly what was going to happen the following day, I would just put food groups on my plan. So for lunch, I would put, it's a protein and veggies or salad. So if I knew I was gonna go out to lunch the next day but didn't wanna take the time to pre-look at the menu, I just knew when I got out to lunch, I was going to order either fish, chicken, beef, salmon with a large salad or a plate of roasted vegetables. So you get the idea. There's lots of flexibility in this. And and these are the details I work on with clients to make their plan very, very doable on a daily basis. Remember, it's not the food that's the problem. It is our brain and what it is thinking about food (laughs) that is the problem. And also our unwillingness to feel what we're feeling, right? So we just want to keep that in mind. Food is not the issue. Food is not the problem. It's what we're thinking. And it's when we do not learn how to process our emotions and feel what we're feeling. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up there. I hope you learned something useful today that maybe you'll look at incorporating into your health and weight loss journey. If you think it might be helpful for someone else you know, just please pass the link to the podcast over to them. That helps grow the show, which really helps me keep all this stuff coming out on a weekly basis. And also, I just wanted to make note, I I received um, a couple of notifications that a few of you have supported the podcast, and I am so grateful to you. Thank you so much. That is how I keep all these episodes coming out 
every week. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can go to the link at the bottom of the page of wherever you are listening to this at. And it's a link that includes the words support this podcast. And if you click it, it'll walk you through quickly how to support the podcast. Um, There's so many options from 99 cents and up. And even at that 99 cents level, that is so incredibly helpful. Um, Any level is so helpful. So just thank you for that. And if you need more information on how my clients work with me, you can head over to my website at heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. Thank you for listening, for sharing this space with me, and we will talk soon. Did you know you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N and get in touch with questions on all things I offer like online courses for overeating, weight loss, goal attainment, and also my coaching and counseling services.